0: God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for every person, Lord, and I love to be able to see the faces, everyone here and those joining by live streaming. God, thank you for them. We pray for the church body. Bless them. Bless the time we have in your word. God, may it be your words and not my words, but, Lord, you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, there's always a a way to talk to somebody when you got to share some news, right? You got that famous little starting phrase that so many people use. Hey, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And it's always a great intro to give bad news. At least you try to pretend like there's good news involved with it, right? So there's a, uh, there's a story of a doctor and he's seeing this patient and the patient goes and gets all their tests and exam and the patient goes home, and he's waiting there at the end of that day, the next day, and finally the day after, the doctor gives him a call, and he starts with, hey, I, you know, Juanito Perez, is that you? Yes, yes, that's me. I have some good news, and I have some bad news. So, okay, give me the good news first. Well, the good news is that we got your test results, and you have 24 hours left to live. I said, well, what do you mean? How is that good news? That's horrible news. I says, well, the bad news is, is I forgot to call you yesterday. So you got good news, you got some bad news. Here's some, uh, just some famous quotes, right? Little, little, little things. If you're LHM, you're going to know it, blurt it out, because that way everyone knows you know it. No, but see if you know where these quotes are from, right? Give me liberty or give me death. Who said that? Patrick Henry. Henry. Someone said it. If you were in the last service, you cheated, because I already told you who said it. So that doesn't count. Patrick Henry, right? During the American Revolution. How about, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. There's some of you who are really good at trivial pursuit, and I know you know it. FDR, right? Franklin D. Delano Roosevelt during the Great Depression, he said that. Ask, for, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Who said that? JFK. Some of you are, man, some, I need you on Jeopardy if I ever go. I need to phone a friend. JFK and his inaugural address, right? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Neil Armstrong, right? First man to put foot on the moon. Unless you're a conspiracy theorist and you think it was the first best Photoshop picture ever made, but that's up to you. You can deal with that on your own. All right, how about this one? Muchacho, de la mano de bolsillo, que eso es pavado. Roberto Caballero, yes. That's it. You got it. Famous quotes, famous quotes. Translation of that is, uh, uh, muchacho, uh, yo, dude, get your hands out of your pocket. That's for lazy people. That's uh, my dad. And where, because I've been telling you where everyone has said these quotes. Where does he say that? Anywhere, everywhere, all the time. So... Now, here's another one, right? Last one. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, right? Joshua. And he says it in the plains of Shechem, which is important. I'm trying to think of of a title or a way to summarize the teaching, and I'm not very good at that. English was not my favorite subject or best subject. Those students, I still got an A. Sometimes a B, but mostly an A. There's no excuse just because you don't like it to do bad in it right so there's a little story with an attempt to try to give us or point us in the right direction in thought as we go through the teaching and there's a, a dad that he always puts his son to sleep at night and he's there reading stories to him and but this night his little he had a little globe a little world that had a, it was a light and that's what would be the light to read the stories and that night there was no uh, light. It was broken. It wasn't working. And so the dad prays with the son, finishes the night, puts him to bed, and walks out with the globe under his arm. And as he's walking out, the son says, Daddy, Daddy, where are you going with my world? Where are you going with my world? And so with that kind of thought in mind, where are we, families, going with our kids' world? Right? What direction are we heading in? Now, Joshua's at the end of his life. Usually this is stuff that viejos say, right, abuelos, yo me acuerdo, niño, y déjame decirte, and they tell you something important, you know, uh, about their country, about the way they grew up, you know, my kids, we, at one point in our life, lived across the street, literally, I could look out the window, and that's where their school was, and so I told my kids, hey, this is a good one, keep this one, because you can say to your kids when you grow up, I remember when I used to have to walk to school every day. For you, they literally crossed the street and they were in the school. But my parents, you know, families, you hear that. I remember I used to have to walk to school and hear you. But Joshua's at the end of his life, abuelo, man of war, fought the fight, I mean, battle warrior. And he's there and he's giving last words, famous last words, his quotable things. He starts in chapter 22, look at verse 2, with compliments. It says, he said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in in all that I commanded you. Verse 3, you have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given you rest or has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. So the first thing, and there's going to be several C-letter words, I'll try to point them out, but just look for them, C-letter words. This one is a compliment. What better compliment, man? Joshua is giving the group there, hey, you guys have kept the word, you've listened to all that Moses commanded, you've kept the word of the Lord, you've obeyed my voice. Man, it's a good compliment, right? The good news, that's the beginning. Always compliment, you know, you're going to give instruction to someone, those in leadership, right, you know. Hey, let me just tell you, man, and for some, you got to, like, really get creative. Like, hey, man, you, you really, your, your, your shoes are appropriate for the job that you have. Thank you. You've been doing a great job with wearing the right shoes. And then, but, and you give them the bad news. You stink at everything else, so you're fired, right? I mean, whatever it is, you compliment, right? Well, here's Joshua, and he's giving them compliment. Hey, you kept the word. You, you've done this good thing. Then verse 5, it says, take heed to yourself and do, take heed, okay, let's try it again. But take careful heed, there's the seed of that word, were you listening for it? Take careful heed to the commandment of the law which which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So there the word is careful. Hey, you've been keeping the word of God. You've been doing a good job. You're listening to God. You're obeying God. But then he says, be careful. There's always a careful. You know, they, 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 every, every law enforcement that, that is trained, you can get comfortable with your job. But you got to know that you got to keep that careful, right? Always don't be like, ah, I've done this before because that's the moment that something's going to happen. you got to be careful. Be aware that just because you've done it great so long doesn't mean you can't mess up. So be careful, God. Joshua's telling them, be careful. Take heed, it says, right? Take heed lest you fall, the Bible says. Hold fast, it says. Hebrews 11 tells us to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And he says to serve the Lord with all your heart. Serve him, serve him. Then verse 12, or 10, sorry, verse 10. He says, When they came to the region of Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of God, and the half tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan. Great, impressive. That word impressive is imposing or intense, haughty. Some of you are intense, and sometimes it comes out as prideful. You're just an intense person. And remember, at this point, they were taken out of Egypt. Moses couldn't take him to the promised land, right? Joshua takes him to the promised land. And God tells him, hey, as you go in the promised land, you're going to have battles, but I've won those battles. Just go in and possess the land. And they're going through. But these three, this group here, Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, this group said, hey, we'll go with you and we'll help you fight some of those battles, but we really like it here. Look at that. The land is nice, our cows are happy. Our, our flock, everything is nice. Can you just leave us this land? And Moses was like, sure, fine. This land could be yours, but go fight with the rest of the people. And he cro- they crossed over, but they, they still had, I, I don't know what's going to come. I'm not sure how that's going to look. I don't want to make that sacrifice. I'm, just, I'm comfortable here. And so that's where they're at now. And there as they're comfortable, right? Now what happened? The place to worship God was on the other side of the river, That's where God instructed God's word. God told them, build an altar here to God. Build the altar here. But they're on the other side of the river. And that's what happens. Our choices have consequences. That's the next C-letter word. They have consequences. Oh, so now what do they do? Well, they start building their own altar. But God didn't tell them to build the altar. They're doing it on their own. And so what happens? Well, the people on the other side see them building the altar... And they say they're rebelling against God. God didn't tell them to build an altar there. This is the place where the altar should be. And they said, These people are, are they're forsaking us. They're forsaking their God, their country. They're fors- and they're, let's go beat them up. Let's go. I mean, literally, that's how they were going over there with like the, they were ready to fight. I don't know at what point, but at some point, they get to the other side and instead of fighting, they first ask some questions Hey, what is this? Is this rebellion to God that you're doing? This isn't, this isn't what God instructed us to do. What are you doing? Their response was what so many of the 9 o'clock service say all the time. It's an excuse. No, 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 no. I know it seems like this is an altar to sacrifice to God. And I know that the altar is only over there. This, isn't, this might look like an altar to sacrifice to God, but it's really just a memorial. We're just remembering... The real altar, we're not worshiping another God. and it's, it's, Aren't we good at excuses? Oh, man. We're good, right? Everyone has an excuse. Everyone has an excuse. You, know, you catch them speeding. No, no. What the, oh, what, my speedometer is not work. I mean, every, there's an excuse. Just do Put your hands, free tip. Not even on the steering wheel. Roll down the window. Put your hands outside like that. Let them be seen at all times. And when they stop you, just say, I know what I did. And just do it. Just give them a, come on, give them a, a little break as they stop you and pull you over for breaking the law. But anyway, that's besides the point, right? They had an excuse. No, no, no. It's not, that's not what it, no, no, it wasn't. I didn't. It, it's an excuse. When it comes to the worship of God, don't make excuses. No, I... I know that the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of the brethren. I know the Bible says to pray with one another, but I'm praying for you from over here. Or, you know, and I know there's different issues, and those of you watching, and I know that, that there's, there's all sorts of things going on today. But when it comes to worship of God, you know, no, I worship God in the beach, man. I just go to the beach, and, and the wind, and the waves, and yeah, I know that the Bible, it says to read it and to pray, but I, I enjoy it. I, I connect with God, and I mean, maybe. Maybe your beach is your spot, and but just, man, don't make up excuses for things. That, no, I know it looks like that bad thing. Look, speaking about looking, it reminds me of a story, how things might look different, right? Where I'm, this is a couple years ago. I'm with one of the brothers at the church, and we're taking care of a of a guy. He's older at this point, and he has some addictions, and he's not in a good state of mind. And we're with him really late at night. It's 2, 3 in the morning, me and this other brother from the church. And eventually his son comes to take care of him. And we, you had to be awake. You couldn't leave this guy alone at, at, at this time. He was weak and, and he was just not doing well. And so at 2 or 3 in the morning, me and this other brother, we go out. Or we ask the son, hey, is there anything we can get for you? You want some coffee or something to help you stay up all night with your dad? And, you know, he says, man, you know, I would love some Diet Coke. Yeah, can you, maybe some Diet Coke. Like, oh, man, we're going to go get you Diet Coke. So we go looking for Diet Coke at 2 or 3 in the morning. Do you know how hard it is to find Diet Coke at 2 or 3 in the morning? And we didn't want to get them like, you know, we wanted to get them enough to last the night, a 2 liter, you know. And there's no Diet Coke. All the gas stations are closed. Everything's closed. And we're driving down. And the only thing with the lights, super bright, neon everywhere, it's a liquor store. That's the only thing open, and so here's me and a brother from the church, and we're like, "Bro, there's nothing open. Where are we gonna get?" We told the son we're gonna bring him some Diet Coke. So two, three in the morning, we go and we see the, an employee coming out, and we're like, "Oh, listen, do you have Diet Coke?" We roll down the window. Yeah, yeah, we have Diet Coke. We're like, "Oh man," we're like, "Okay, we gotta do this, all right?" So we both get down, get the Diet Coke. Oh, you want a bag for that? No, no bag for that. I'm walking <laughs> out of the store holding the Diet Coke. Anybody wants to come by, snap some pictures, hey, I'm, I'm in the liquor store for a Diet Coke I'm, it, and I'm walking out like this. This is a true story. So, man, but we make excuses for, no, no, I know that's what that looks like, but it really isn't. I'm not, no, I, I know that I'm with that person and I'm living in this way, but I'm not, it's not what you think. It's, it's there's, you know, the love is in our heart and not in, all sorts of excuses we can make. Worship God in the way the Word tells us to worship God. Do things without adding to it or taking away. That's what's going on here. So you had compliment. You're doing great. You're following the Word of God. You had be careful. Careful with where you are because if you get careless, that's when something's going to go down. And then there's consequence. Remember, every one of your actions, every one of the things you do, it has a consequence. You can add next to consequence also the word compromise, right? There's a compromises and that result in sin. And then he gives them an example in verse 20. He says, did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing? And wrath fell upon the congregation of Israel. And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. And he's reminding them of these people. One of them is Achan. And Achan, it says, man, he was unfaithful in regard to devoted things. It wasn't that he was out living la vida loca, promiscuity, every woman, everything. Hey, man. That's what... No, he was just unfaithful when it came to that deep devotion time. He snuck something in. And he lied. And he had it. And he kept it. And they were trying to find out where is this? Why are we going through this? Someone is sneaking something. What? No, me? Huh? Until finally he had nowhere out, right? but But I mean... Joshua here, 110 years old, hiding and this, uh, giving the example of be careful with compromises. They have consequences. And you might think it only is going to affect you. No, it's just me. I just smoke that little thing when no one's looking, which, you know, my backdoor neighbors, man. I mean, woof, I get it like in my house. It's, it's, I, it's no little thing going on back there. But anyways, I digress. Um, the point is that they're doing like, oh, it's just affecting me. No, it affects Everybody around you. So be careful. There's compromises and there's consequences to our sin. Verse 5. We're in chapter 23 now. 23 verse 5. Joshua's, remember, older. He's giving them these words. And now he says, The Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out. Of your sight, so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Here's a a promise. And you know, the book of Joshua is a great example of the Christian's life. It's a spirit filled life. And, And what do we see here? The Lord, it says, will expel, it says, and you shall possess. God has taken care of the sting of death, He took care of it. Sin was done with, He took it on the cross for you. But there's still a possessing to go do. There's still a a, a Holy Spirit inside of you that wants to work through you. So the work is not done. Yeah, he he expelled it. He took care of the those enemies are gone. But it doesn't mean now you you are on cruise control. There's still action for us to do. And now this Joshua, he's not done. He's a man of war. Have you ever seen, I, you know, I, there's a, a, a guy in the church that owns a landscaping company. And I remember being real young. And my hands back then were, were soft. And I, I you know, I, I did water sports. I did swimming. I did water polo. So my hands were in the water. That's my excuse, so I, you know. And, and, and he would say, let me see. Uh, I could offer you a job, but i got to give you an interview. Let me see your hands. Ah, you can't work for me. No way. Your hands, i got to feel like sandpaper, you know in your hands. But now I'm getting older, and I'm like, whoa, yeah, look, I got calluses. Oh, I could get a job there if I needed to. (laughs) But he's a man of war. This guy, Joshua, lived it, worked hard. I remember visiting a nursing home. I think the guy was 100. If not, he was near 100, and we're visiting it with the church, and he's sitting down, but the ladies walk in, he's still, when the guys were there, he's like, hey, hola, 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 and the ladies walk in, and he's like, he gets up, and he's like, Buenas, buena señora. I mean, respectful. But you look at that guy, and he was, he, like, by his age, he should have been way weaker. But he, what do you do when you grow? I ah, worked out in the fields in Cuba, man. I was, that, I was like, man, you know, he worked hard. man, rugged, right? They last. There's something about it. Well, that's Joshua. We have this thing in America, though, that when you get older, you work for a place for a long time. What's the next thing to do? Retire retire you're gonna get tired again right but that's man i don't that's an american thing i don't know how i see that in the bible i don't know if i see that in god's word god is not done with you i don't care how old you get how old you are you don't retire from serving the lord you, lord what's next maybe you might do something different but it's still god i want to obey you i want to serve you i'm not gonna now get it on cruise control george Mueller. 71 years old, went out to be a missionary. At 71 years old, God called him. He traveled 200,000 miles, no airplanes, preached in 42 countries during that time, over 4,000 sermons. 71 years old. How old are you? How old am I? John Wesley, at 81 years old, was getting kind of upset with himself and not liking that his eyes were giving out because... He would want to read the Bible for 15 hours straight, and his eyes just weren't holding up anymore. It says he would get frustrated with himself because he was waking up too late to pray at 5:30 a.m. and he wanted to be waking up sooner. Man, no matter our age, you know, I love to see older people, and I and I've seen both extremes. You know, you have a viejo insoportable and you have the like. Oh, man, I love that old person. They got candy for me every time they see me. They're always so happy with me. and then I want to be that happy guy. El viejito that's like, oh, vamos a visitar el viejito. Right? You know, I want to be that guy. I don't want to be the, oh, hay que visitar al viejo. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to be that guy. I got to practice. I got to, okay, where, how do I end up there? Uh, there's There's a route. There's a route to take, a route not to take. I've seen them both. And I love old people. I just love the nicer ones more. A little bit. The next C-letter word, verse 6, right? It says, Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right or to the left. You hear that? Be careful you don't turn to the right or to the left. Right? Where do you say Jesus is the center, man? Jesus is the center. Because you might get off on some other extreme. Courageous, very courageous. Isn't it awesome that um, it's so simple? What did Joshua receive when he was starting off in the things of God in chapter one? God was calling him, God was doing something, and God gave him a word. And it was Hey, Joshua, be courageous. Be very courageous. The same exact words. Now he's old, about you know, 100-something years old, and he's telling the people, I got a message for you. You would think like, oh, man, this guy is, oof, what, what is it? It's amazing, some kind of new thing. I'm gonna, it's going to change my life. It's the same thing he got when he was starting off. Be courageous. Be very courageous. God's message, God's word, God's, it's simple. It's simple, and it lasts through the ages. Be courageous. Be very courageous. I love the simplicity of the message. Do you have a life verse? Something that God did in your life when you were starting off in your walk? I remember for me Ephesians 5.1. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. I, I remember that verse. It was one of the verses. And I understand that. You know, I remember working outside with my dad. And all he would say is, mírame porque no te lo voy a repetir. Right? And so I just had to look. And I had to copy. Okay. Hammer, nail, boom, ow, okay, scream, hit my finger, okay, keep going. Don't, don't stop, don't, yeah, that finger's dropping, but don't stop. Okay, I got that, I could copy that, that's what my dad did, I know how to follow that. I needed that, I needed to know what that meant for God. And so God says, oh, I got you, I got you, just watch, imitate me. That's, okay, God, what do you, what do, you do, what are you doing? I, mean, I don't need to invent some unique, oh, I'm my own person and I'm unique, I don't copy nobody. <laughs> You're What does God do? I want to imitate that. And then, why? Because he's forcing me to? No, that's how you get, that's how you get, no, let me not go there. Um, a ton of people in a country to do an amazing opening Olympic show, you get them by forcing them and threatening their families, and then all of a sudden, they like, thousands of people doing in unison. That's not what he's talking about. If you didn't follow me, that's fine. It's not a a forceful thing there that everyone's going to be the exact. No, it's and out of love. It's, God, I want to imitate you. I'm not being forced to. I I like what I see. I want to do that. I remember Psalm 37, 4 in my life. Huge decisions in my life. God using that verse, right? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. 1 Timothy 1.12, I thank my God because he has enabled me, putting me into the ministry. I remember when that was. I remember how God gave me that verse. If I was to give anyone verses, these are the same verses I'm going to give them. I don't have to reinvent. This is, this is God's word. It's simple. Recently, you know, I, I remember starting a couple years ago during men's meeting, going through the book of Nehemiah. And there's a verse in there in Nehemiah that says, fight for your family. Okay, Lord, I know. Okay, i got to fight for my family. You know, the VBS this year, fight the good fight of faith. As for me and my house here in Joshua, we just did that with Lighthouse Ministry. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, I got that. All right. Verse 10, speaking about fighting, right? Don't, I want this. Verse 10. One man of you shall chase a thousand. Isn't that an awesome scene? One guy. Aah! And a thousand men running away. That's awesome. Oh, that sounds powerful. But before that gets you distracted, there's another part to that verse. It says, one man shall chase a thousand, for the Lord God is he who fights for you. It's not because you could do it. It wasn't you. You thought it was you, and you didn't realize if you looked behind, there's the army of the Lord that has your back. And you thought it was you. Oh, oh, they're running. Oh, I'm so strong. No, you're not. You just got caught in the group that God's fighting. God's doing that. And then it says, therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. So the next C-letter word, the center. There's something at the center that, that is very important. And it's not the one man chasing a thousand, and it's not this great power and strength. It's what? What's at the center? Take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. It's God's love. God's love is at the center of it. The basis, that, that's why we make the decision. That's what is in the center of our relationship to the Lord. is God's love for us. It's not because, oh, if I don't do good things, bad things will happen to me. No, that's, that's other religions. That's not Jesus. That's not God. Why do I do the good things? God, because you love me. Because you love me. But I messed up. And now, I, why do I, well, you messed up. How do I get back to where I need to be? Why? How? Oh, why? Because, God, you love me. You still love me. It becomes a delight to serve God. It's not like, oh, I have to go to church. Oh, yeah, I guess I don't want to lose my job, so let me go to church. No, that's a duty. You you have the wrong idea. you, you got to work on that relationship with God because it's like, man, I get to come to church and worship with my brothers and sisters. Oh, it's delightful. Ah, que rico. When? Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday. Uh, Lord, Saturday, Sunday, when? Ah, Lord, I want want to be there. I want that. That's where Joshua is at. But then look at verse 12, the first two words. Or else. (laughs) The or else. You ever had the or else? And then it says, in that verse, it says that they cling to the remnant. If you're not doing that, if Jesus is not the center of it all, if Jesus is not the center, if he doesn't have you captivated in his love, You're going to start clinging to the remnant. You're going to just hold on to all the things around you, thinking that that's strong. Including, oh, my family, I'm holding on to my job, my power, my position. I've got to hold on to these things because that's what's left over. When you lose God's love from the center of it, you're grasped for whatever's remaining. And all of that is going away one day. The love of God is what doesn't disappoint us. Verse 13, right, it says, for certain Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your side. So if you choose to not follow the Lord. You choose to do it in your own way. God says, guess what? I'm still faithful, but I gave you an or else. And if you love the promise of how I'm going to expel the enemies before you, well, guess what? If I just take a step to the side... there's a skit, right? And and there's Jesus and there's all the attacks and there's a person in the front praying and Jesus is there holding all these things from attacking this person and the person is, wow, they feel liberated and they, it had nothing to do, it was Jesus, right, that was holding all these things back but if you say well, Jesus, no, I'm good. Really, really, I'm good. He just steps to the side. Man, we, we don't know what God has kept us from. So It says that God will do the opposite. Instead of expelling these attacks and these enemies, He'll allow them. And they become snares then for you. You want to chase your job, you want to chase so much overtime, you want to chase money. Go ahead, I'll step to the side. You could do it. I mean, you could be a Christian and do it. You don't lose your salvation. I got you. You're going to heaven, but okay. And then what before you know it, it's a snare. Now you're trapped. Oh, you want to you you follow after, you know, that addiction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you be a Christian and have addictions? Hopefully God will work on you, but yeah, I mean, you can have things and call yourself Christian. Maybe be a Christian, right? And then before you know it, there's snares and traps and you're worse than you started off. It says verse 14. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth, and know in all your hearts and in all your souls that nothing has failed. Of all the good things which the Lord God spoke concerning you, all have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed, which is awesome and a blessing and true, but it includes the or else's as well. You know, our words have power. Our words have weight, right? You ever, parents, don't do this. Don't do this. You got... The car packed to go to Disney World. You bought the tickets to Disney World. You reserved the hotel. Now it's too late to cancel, and your kids are having trouble getting in the car. And you go, "We'll not go. We'll stop. We'll stay right here. We'll cancel this trip to Disney." Yeah, right. You're not canceling the trip. You just spent three thousand dollars to go there. You're not. Don't say that. Careful with your words. They have power. For that. They have meaning. You know. And we'll we'll get back to our words, but. You know, the cities, cities are important. There's notable cities, right? Gettysburg, the battle, right? The Gettysburg Address. Have you ever been there? We, we recently went to St. Augustine. And there's something about being in St. Augustine. Even if it's a lie, everything is the oldest. It's the oldest port is potty It's the oldest. Everything is the oldest, you know? They actually do have the oldest substance in the world. Did you know that? One of the oldest substances. Water. It's there in St. Augustine, too. They just don't tell you about it. It's a secret. The beaches. I went to the St. Augustine beach. It was beautiful. The oldest, you know, anyways, right? You have Washington, D.C. I went there last summer. I went to Washington, D.C. Something about the city at which something is given, you know, a speech in a certain area, and you know the history of that area. I visited Cuba with my parents and my dad, and he tells me, in this block, this, and in that block, that. I remember... Norman Cousins, a political journalist, is quoted, he died in the 90s, but he's quoted with saying this, history is a vast early warning system. George Santayama is an author, a poet, and he's quoted with saying, those who don't know or don't remember the past are doomed to repeat it. Now, my parents have told me a lot of history, and they know their history, right? Right? In a brief summary, I can summarize my dad's speeches to me about the history that he came from, right? There was corruption in any facet you can think of, whether it's moral or or, 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 or government or something. There was corruption, right? Mass media pointing out all this corruption. Then dividing the groups, whether religion or by race or by wealth or by... You know, this group from that group, a division, causing then extreme hatred for those groups. In Cuba's case, it was for the government, right? Extreme hatred, inequalities, pointing them out, and starting protests to gather the group up. All the young people would go to them and follow this charismatic people. Then get aggressive and violent. And then keep the sparks of these little situations going to help it carry along when there's chaos is so bad that then only one solution comes and it's either military has to step in and control or the current power bows out and then militant control will come in and solve the situation and bring order and then depending right then you start getting gunshots seven days after his history came into play seven days after that historical point when that person became a leader they immediately said hey we're why any weapons are needed right it's just this is all peaceful here No weapons are needed, and then weapons are gone. History. Then, after the incitement to cause this civil disorder and war, drive the economy to the ground, take the power, eliminate the opposers, control and ration health, education, and food for the long-term control. That's just the history my dad shared with me. I just thought, I'd share it with you. Moving on. In this case, Joshua, he's the dad. So what is dad saying? Let me give you my history. And so Joshua is giving them the history. Guys, and he's telling them, guys, the same way my dad would give me this history, he's telling them, hey, remember where we came from. We didn't just arrive here in this promised land. Remember Abraham... God took them out of idol worshipers. He took them out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. That's in verse 2, chapter 24. God took these guys out. God took Abraham out of that stuff. And you're going to start giving your ways to things that seem like idols, and you're going to allow idols back. And remember, God took you guys out of that stuff. How can you be going back to that? Personal history, your own life. Remember where you came from, what God has done in your life before you start getting so comfortable that then you just allow yourself to trickle back Into the same habits you once had. And let me tell you, I'm 37, I think. I forget sometimes. The same things when I was 15, 16 that I struggled with are the same exact things I struggle with today. The enemy is not any smarter. He uses the same things. He's like, oh, that works. I'll I'll keep using that on him. It's the same exact struggles, same exact battles I feel like I fight. Verse 13 in chapter 24. There's a phrase in there that says, hey, you're in a land which you did not labor for. Is that maybe a little bit true of us? I didn't labor for it. I love to hear the stories of the men who labored for it. You know, the um, Star Spangled Banner, the men who gave their life to hold that flag so as the enemy would look, the flag would be standing, right? The history of the song. Look it up. I love those stories, but I, I didn't labor for it. I didn't fight for that. No, I In in my case, in my land, Joshua, all the people there, these are the kids of the kids. They didn't go in. They weren't the ones who had to face all the gigantic army and battle and say, God said, no, go forward with pots and pans. I got this battle. What do you mean, God? I have pots and, yeah, 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 I know there's a ton of them, but just go up there with some pots and some lights and, I, I didn't, you know, Joshua had to go through that, but the people he's talking to, his kids didn't go through it. They're just now in the land. Hey, isn't this nice? It's the promised land. Milk and honey and, you know, a TV streaming service is amazing. You just all day. Just enjoy it. We didn't labor for it. And then Joshua's reminding them of that. Verse 14. Now fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and serve the Lord. You have to put away other gods to serve the Lord. You can't serve two masters. You can't do it. You might think so for a time. One of them is going to take you. You have two two dogs, right? You have uh, sin and you have the you know the good one and the bad one. Well, how do you know which one's going to win, or how can I control it? Well, just starve the one you want to lose, and then the good one or the one you want to win will win. In your own life, how do you? conquer this, you know, who's going to win, the the good or the bad, and starve the bad, starve it, don't feed it, and watch, watch the other one get stronger, feed that one, feed the one you want to win, starve the one you want to lose, serve him, it says, in sincerity and truth, put away other gods, serve the Lord, because you will serve something, you don't just stay, no, no, I'm just going to be, I'm not going to say nothing, I'm going to be, you know, at peace with everybody, no, by doing that, you're neither foreign nor against. You're serving somebody. Even if you pretend to be neutral in the things of God and in what you worship, you're going to worship something. Verse 15, it says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 24, 15. It's a choice. It's a choice that we got to make. That was a choice. Not that Joshua made right now. He had already made that choice. You know, Christians, we can be Christians, and you know, you still could have different choices. You know that not every Christian makes the same choice? You could be Christian, and you could not like some of the things I say, and, and you know, you're a Christian, and, or some of the things I do in my own life, and I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't drink. Why? Well, you could be a good... You could have your own choices. Parents, you know that not because everyone goes to a church or to a Christian school, does that mean that every other parent makes the same choices you make? And you've got to be aware. When you have kids go to a friend's house, just because they're in a Christian school or a Christian church, doesn't mean that they're going to make the same choices you are. And You've got to be aware of those things. So different... You know, the things they watch, the things they say, the people they allow in their house, the house, the way they, not everyone's the same. So you could be a Christian and still have different choices. It's not about, oh, the pagan, not Christian, and the Christian. I'm talking for the Christian. You have to still make that choice because you could be Christian and not make, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a choice that you have to make as a believer. It says, as for me and my house, right? As for me, it begins with me. How do I do it? I know I want my house. my It's my wife and it's my kids. It says, as for me, it begins with you. I lead the way. Where I am, it's going to set the stage for my house. But it doesn't just involve you. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that choice does go out for your house. And men, man, may God equip you. May God forge you and make you and work in your life me your personal private life that then the we will follow you and trust me they're rooting for you your kids your family they are rooting for you they might give you some resistance because who doesn't when you take away some things and you change some things but man they're for you god is for you so one of the things is man who am i privately right it's very important here at the church, we have something that's very clear. Pastors don't counsel women one-on-one. There's no, you, you know, room or, hey, let's go in. We don't do that, right? Avoid that appearance of evil. No, it wasn't. I just, no, none of that, right? There was a story I heard of a pastor. And he was starting to serve at church, and he got called to go to an elderly home to pray for this lady. And he walks, in. he's so used to, wait, but, it's it, there's a lady, she's like 90-something, but we're trained. Not, no, no guy with a lady by herself in the room. So he's like, okay, I'm going in. And he's leaving the door open. And then he's like, ah, oh, but it's an older lady. But then, you know, she has a picture of her like in her early days. And he remembers thinking, wow, she's, she's good looking. But then he looks and she's like, oh, Lord, no, no, no. Help me remember where we all go. You know, because that was her at 90-something, not at eighteen years old anymore, twenty years old, or whatever. So, Lord, help me remember. That's where we all go. And so he's thinking all these things, and he's his first time in this situation. He's ministering and trying to talk to the lady, and he's praying with her. And uh, he's so nervous. He "There's a bowl of nuts, you know, and by you know by the bedside, and he's eating all the peanuts and eating all the peanuts. And at the end, he, you know, he's like, madam 'Man, ma'am, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I ate all, I ate all the peanuts.' And, oh, Sonny, don't worry." I already sucked all the chocolate off of them anyway. True story. (laughs) True story. Proverbs 20, verse 6. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 6, Most men will proclaim their own righteousness or their own goodness, but who can find the faithful man? Purity in your alone time when no one's looking. Who can find a faithful man? Everyone says, no, yo soy, you could proclaim it. But, man, who's going to find the faithful man? It's hard. It's rare. It's rare. In front of the family, in front of the church, you might put on a great show. Before God, he knows, and he's asking, am I going to find a faithful man here? And women, the same thing. Proverbs 14, verse 1, man, it says, the wise woman builds her house. The foolish pulls it down with her hand. She literally can pull it down. you know how strong women's words and women's encouragement can be? Man, I don't know about you, but I remember, you know, they can get you to build a building. Oh, you need me to carry that car? Absolutely. And all of a sudden, you're carrying the car. I don't know how they did it, but they encouraged me so much. And I wanted to, oh, oh so powerful. Women's words are, I mean, they're encouragers. But at the same time. They could tear down an entire house, and they don't need a bulldozer just with their own words. They could tear down the entire house, including their kids and their husbands. So we've got to be careful with our words. You know, Jesus says, right, what you do in secret, the father sees, he'll reward you openly. There's a story uh, of the dad uh, walking he had a problem with an addic- with addictions, and his reasoning was, all right, men proclaim their own goodness. Well, I don't drink in the house. I only drink outside of the house. I don't bring it into my house. I don't drink in the house. And so one day after, you know, a family get-together, he's leaving, and then you know, he looks back, and then he sees his little boy, you know, and his little boy is hopping along. He says, where are you going? Where are you going? It's cold out here. Where are you? It's going through the snow. Obviously not a Miami story. Going through the snow, and... And he says, Dad, I just, you you know, I was following in your footsteps. Man, you know, where we go, whether it's alone, private, no one else is watching or not. They're following in our footsteps. They're watching. They're sowing. They're noticing the choices that we make. So another thing, not only is it for me, but when you think about this verse, you're making long-term choices here. Long-term choices. Proverbs 14, it says, There's a way that seems right to a man. But in its end, the way is death. So he chose where to go long before this point. Joshua had already lived this out. From Joshua chapter 1, he's been living this out. Him and his family, choosing to serve the Lord, choosing to follow the Lord. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, in all your ways. It says, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Something about the long-term choice. And again, our words are so powerful and careful with our words and you know, social media is, is, is so easy to throw around words nowadays. Some things I'll never tell you face-to-face. I just, it's a post. Oh, just a post. And I blurt it out on social media and then let people respond how they may. But people are bold over social media. And we have some things going on, right? You know, defund police. You have ACAB. You have all these things. And, and they're, you know, being thrown out there. got to be careful with our words, You know what that really is doing. Do you know the effects of it? Well, guess what? Let me tell you something, just in case you don't. And you know what? You're entitled. You could have whatever decision and choice you've come up with. But if I could give you a little something, the bad cops are going to keep being bad cops. No matter if you post that stuff or not. You know the ones who are affected by all of this? It's the good cops. All the majority of these good men and women that are out there. Daily willing to take rocks being thrown at them, spit at their face, smashed windows, bottles that we just gave them for water that they urinate and throw it back at you. Uh, 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 PVC poles sharpened like if I'm holding a banner to stab you. All this stuff, those good guys trying to help you, those are the ones being affected. So, oh, it's just words. I didn't really mean it. Got to be real careful with our words. Because they affect other people. Don't waste your words. There's people, right? They said, uh, and I remember three or four years ago, oh, if this person is in power, I'm leaving the country. They're still in the country. That's like, if you keep behaving bad, we're not going to Disney World. No, let your words have meaning. Don't say words you don't mean. If you really felt like that, leave, and we're fine with it. But our words, let our words not just be thrown out there, like, without a problem, our words... These are Joshua's words. As for me and my house, right, we will serve the Lord. The Bible says that we, a, gentle an, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. That's the real battle we're in. And so I've been asking myself, Lord, what lies ahead? I... I've never been in in a situation like what we're going through today, all sorts of stuff, citations here, this there, all rules this, rules there. You know, we have fires in the the beginning of the year, and then we have a pandemic, and we have everyone at home, and then, you know, uh, uh, money being sent to your house, and then protests, and fighting, and violence, and a section of a neighborhood barricade. Lord, this is crazy, and how fast is this going to keep going? I don't know. And so, Lord, what is it? What do I need to do? Do I need to, like, you know, uh, learn more of the stock market, work more, save more money, stuff it in my mattress? Do I need to learn more self-defense so I could defend myself and my family, stock up on my ammunition? What do I got to do? I got to, and, and I, Lord, I need, I need God to as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If I'm going to spend my energy, Lord, if I'm going to spend my resources, where do I need to do it? You know what sticks with you? No matter what this looks like, 10, 20 years from now or less. Your family is going to be there in those times with you. Man, invest in that. Invest in your family. You know what's awesome? This book of Joshua, right? Joshua, Joshua, it means the Messiah. So our Messiah, Jesus, is telling us the same thing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And who does he consider those in his house? He says in Matthew 12, right? Who's my brother? Who's my sister? Who's my mother? Who's my father? Those who do the will of God, right? Those who do the will of God are my father, my mother. So Jesus is telling us, you're in his team. Hey, believer, Christian, Jesus is giving us his word. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus is with you. He's serving the Lord. We're serving with Jesus. But we need to make that choice. And we need to declare it. We need to say it. We need to be real about it. Boldly, directly, powerfully to the people in our life, to our households. We need to say that. We need to tell them, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a lot of wimping out, giving in to comfort, you know. And, and what happens is if you give in to comfort, if you forsake as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And you leave it as a blank. As for me in my house, we'll serve. Something's gonna fill that blank. For a lot of people, it's become the kids, right? The kids are the. As for me we serve the kids. AC temperature, you know, noise level. Uh, everything is about. Uh, no, no, oh no, the kids. And, and I understand there's different ways. Just, man, I encourage you to be careful. You know, They're, we've got these digital pacifiers. You know, oh no, no, oh here, here, here's YouTube. Man, I saw at, at, um, at a uh, I saw a store, the store with little kids, Jimbery, and the kids watching Mario and Luigi. And the mom came by and saw Mario and Luigi walked away, left. The, you know, it's in the store. I mean, she wasn't super neglectful. I called the police on her, but she, I mean, she was there but just not aware. And I'm listening to Mario and Luigi. It's only bad words. It's like a dub. I'm like on YouTube. Oh, okay. And M- Mario's like, "What the f? And what the this? And what the all these curse words?" And you're like what in the world? This little five-year-old is listening to this, and mom just, oh, it's Mario Luigi, and walks away, and I don't even know why, but something will fill in the blank. That's what I was saying. Something's going to fill in the blank in your life if you choose not to say, I ask for me in my house. We will serve the Lord, and it could be comfort. It could be whatever it might be, And, and, and kids with these with these digital pacifiers they lose they lose so much they don't know how to have a conversation they don't know what it feels like to lose you know why because every video game is made for you to win and do a little better every time that's not real life you could try your hardest and still fail that's real life and kids don't know how to lose and so we're losing our kids when they get older because they lost for the first time we gotta be decided we gotta decide we gotta have a choice I want my kids to do what's right, even when I'm not there, because I see parents do that too. In order to put a good pretense before other people, they manipulate, and it looks like their kid did the right choice, you know? And my kid never does wrong. Teachers, right? In school, little kid punched out the other kid. No, my kid would never. I'm pretty sure that kid has a black eye. Your kid has a fist. They connected. But wait, no, no, not my kids, right? And... I want my kid to do what's right when I'm not there, when I'm gone, wherever that might be. Careful with the philosophies of this world. How do we get our worldview? Is it from the Word of God? And and again, it says to raise our kids, to teach them in the way you should go. Teach them. That means it's not them that make the decisions because you're teaching them. Do you go to your teacher and say, no, teacher, I don't want to do two plus two is four because I don't like it, I'm going to do it this way. Oh, okay. Just, 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 just as long as you're quiet. No, I teach you. No, I'm sorry. Two plus two is five. Okay, you can keep answering two plus two is five, but you're going to get an F. That's not the answer. Two plus two is four. I'm going to teach you the right way to do it. Let's do it. Let's do it together. 25 hours later, you know, yeah, it's hard work. I know parenting and this, serving the Lord, it is hard work. And it's impossible, really. It says Hebrews 11, 6, that, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how do we serve the Lord? You can't do it on your own strength. This is not a, come on, let's go do this. And You, can't. you try it on your own, you're going to fail it. You need faith. You need the Holy Spirit. And then that question again, but will I say, as for me and my house, will we will serve the Lord. Realize it begins with you, the compliment of having kept the commands of the Lord. Be careful with it. Don't get prideful. Don't do religion in your own way. Don't have idols in your life. Be very courageous. The love of God is at the center. He's gone out before you. He's already expelled the enemy before you even get there. But you got to take hold of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Remember, these are long-term choices. Make the right choice now for later. I'll give you six things and we end. Six things for your family. This is a family verse. This is Joshua, his family. Hey, choose this day. All of you, is telling them, you could choose who's this day, who you're going to serve. Choose. You, you have that choice. But then he says, but I just want to, you know, ask for me and my house, man, we will serve the Lord. And when you look at my life and look at any area, what you're going to see is that I chose to serve the Lord. And here are some practical things just for us to be left with. Number one. Family prayer, family prayer, right? You've heard it said, a family that prays together stays together. When the family goes off to school in the morning, man, pray before you walk out the door. When you hear a siren, that's that's I, the LHM kids, right? You know that. You hear a siren, it should be like an alarm on your phone going off saying, pray, just pray. Lord, I pray for that officer, that rescue, wherever they're going, that they arrive safely, that they help whoever they got to help. Keep them. That's more effective than any post you're going to make on social media. Pray for them. Form habits of prayer. and At night, before you go to bed and tuck your kids in, pray again together. That's like five times. Yes, that's amazing. That's awesome. Keep doing that. Pray together. Number two, family Bible reading. Read the Bible together. Ask each other, hey, what have you been reading in the Bible? What was Sunday school about? What did you hear in the teaching? Share with your kids. You share with them. Share the Bible. Read the Bible together. I remember in LHM with this whole quarantine thing, we gave up the Bible story challenge. And it was to just act out a Bible story with their little legos or their little whatever i remember you know i think one of them like mickey mouse was like acting as jesus and then there's a little doll and oh jesus would you heal me and the little kids were reading the bible and acting them out with their parents i was almost crying i'm like oh this is so beautiful and it's like little it was amazing the family reading the bible together and having fun with it anyways we'll keep going verse uh, uh, number three family communication Men, I know. I'm maybe you're different because I I'm not prone to talk. I don't know if you're aware of this, but guys, we can go hang out. It's like five hours. We're doing some activity: basketball, run, do whatever. And I come home. Oh, uh, was it fun, honey? And my wife. Yeah, yeah. What'd you guys talk about? (laughs) We actually didn't talk about anything. We just. You were like five out. We were a whole day together. What do you mean you didn't talk about anything? No, I, we were just, no, we didn't talk about much. We were just hanging out. Okay. Uh, women could do 10 minutes, and it's like, you spoke all, it would have taken me five years to get through that. You got it in 10 <laughs> minutes? That's amazing. Like, I mean, I, I, it's like, oh, let me just go say goodbye to them. They say goodbye, it's like, oh, no, yeah, and then, you know, we, you know I asked them what they need prayer for, and, and, then, and then, oh, I, I, I'm like, wow, you guys are amazing. It's amazing, but... Man, we gotta make a choice though. It doesn't come naturally, right? Talk, talk to your family, wives, husbands, talk, parents, talk to your kids, include them, pray with them, talk to them. Kids, talk to your parents. They wanna hear from you, they wanna know it. You know, I mean talk to your friends too, but include your parents. What can you get? What's the bad, what's the worst that can happen? I sometimes that question is bad because some people are really good at coming out with worst case scenarios, but Man, they, 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 they're, they're going to pray with you. They're going to understand. Parents, talk to your, I mean, kids, talk to your parents. Don't have family secrets. Open communication. Forgiveness. Number four, family meals. As often as you can, make that something steady. At the end of the day, as much as possible, as much as you can, at some point, have a family meal. Do it routinely. You know kids love routines they love structure. They love discipline. You know, they really thrive when you give them that. Give the kids those boundaries. Hey, at mealtime we all come to the table. We're all eating together. Do that. Try that. Make those things habits and rituals and that you do every day. And you know, and make it a place that, that you want to be at. That's not the place that if you spill the milk or the water, ah, I ate No, just for that moment, just be like, oh, let's pick it up. Let's, you know, just let them want to be at that dinner table, at that lunch, breakfast table, wherever it might be. Number five, family fun, family fun. And that's not just a $3,000 Disney trip. That's, you know what? The beach is free. Building sandcastles is free. Walking through the neighborhood, riding a bike, going on a vacation, doing a little thing. It's, it's, it's not a money thing. Have some fun. Play some board games. Throw the ball. You know, say some jokes. Do some things. Kick them, you know, let them grab you in a headlock. I outlawed blind punches in my house. That one I outlawed. That's fun, but because, you know, we were done, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm like, whew. My eight-year-old can, can, you know, my, my, my older one has control, but woof. So, no blind punches, but yeah, every now and then, come try to grab me in a headlock. Watch me defend myself. Whoa, you know. Have fun with the kids. Last one, man, your family's faith comes first. Your family's faith comes first. The boss, there's not a boss in the world that's gonna fulfill you, there's not a house big enough that's gonna do it for you. A thing that's so cool that I gotta have that's worth it. Don't sacrifice for power. Don't sacrifice your family's walk with God, service to God for fame or money or any of these things. Rather, sacrifice those things for your family. It's the greatest investment you're going to make. And man, time, you guys know, it goes by so quick. Make it count. Make it count. So family prayer, family Bible reading, family communication... Family meals family fun your family's faith first We're taking our kids world we have it where are we gonna take our kids world to With that worship team come up let's pray pastors will be up front for prayer And we'll close in worship God I thank you so much for the love that you've given us